If you don't have a plan for reading your Bible in the year 2021, there are some Bible reading schedules on the back table. So make sure, make sure that you have a plan. A dream without a plan is a wish. And so make sure you've got some kind of strategy to go about attacking your Bible. It's the most important thing I think you can do to start uh, your day, to end your day as a Christian. In your Bible, Galatians 1. If you need an outline, thank you, Brother Sam. Just raise your hand. Brother Sam is ready to go. Awesome. A few people. You need one tonight. It's got a little map in there for you to look at. So something to color if you're a kid, something to look at if you're an adult, or maybe color. But Galatians chapter number 1. So take your Bible and go there. The Bible is so good. The Bible is, is just unbelievable. It's, but the, the Bible is kind of like an apple tree that has been hybrided so much that it's got so many apples on it that you can grab one or you can shake that tree and they just fall all around you. There's so much in the Word of God, every single verse. And the more you shake it, the more apples, fruit falls from that tree. And the Bible is dripping with things. I, I'm going to preach on the first five verses of Galatians 1, but you could go home and study them and you could get... 10 times what I preach here tonight. The Bible is like a cotton field. The more you pick it, the more white it gets. You'll never exhaust the riches in the Word of God. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 1 through 5, is Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia, peace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Sam who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Number one in your notes, look at Paul's ministry. Paul's ministry. We're going to be looking for the next few Wednesday nights at the book of Galatians. Galatians has been called the heart of the gospel. I preached from a couple verses in Romans on Sunday night and Uh, Romans, those 16 chapters, in a lot of ways, I think Galatians is sort of a condensed version of that. It's all about salvation by grace and not of works at all. And uh, it also, one of the things that that Paul did right off here, if you look in the first few verses of any epistle, is, is a greeting or a salutation. If you read books about the Bible, it'll say the salutation. Uh, Paul kind of starts off a little bit curt, a little bit to the point. If you look in verse number one, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. He, he didn't do, like if you flip through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy, he doesn't really start it off exactly like that. The reason he did that is because there were some people in the region of Galatia that were questioning Paul's apostleship. If you look at the little map insert here, and I don't know, maybe you're helped by maps. I, I always am, just so I can picture it in my mind. So that little thing you're looking at, so that shaded area in the middle, that's not water, that's Galatia. So it was a Roman province in what is now modern-day Turkey. So as you're looking at little map, if you look over to the left just a little bit, you're going to get like Greece with all those islands a little bit farther left across the Mediterranean. You'll see Italy, you know, with like the the boot kicking the soccer ball, if you can picture that in your mind. So this is just to the right of that, Hungary. Uh, it, It was called Asia Minor. So Galatia, it's got Antioch, Lystra, Iconium, Derbe, and some other places there in Galatia. This is a place that Paul had been a couple times before. The region of Galatia was already full of some interesting people. Uh, If you look in Titus, how uh, uh, there was some encouragement there because the people in Crete 
were uh, slow bellies, were always, always liars. Uh, well, Galatia had some problems as well. Uh, Galatians were emotional, impulsive, they were changeable people, they were loud, arguing, boasting, immoral, uh, they had a love for like the strange, the curious, the unknown, that area uh, had a history of worshiping nature, and they were really fickle. If you go to Acts 14 really quick, this is, this is pretty funny, Acts 14, let me show you, he'd been here before in a, in a city in Galatia, uh, uh, let's see, Acts 14 and verse number 13 uh, uh, then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates, Acts fourteen thirteen, and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways, Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So I come out saying, don't do sacrifice to us. We're just people. Then he preached them a little bit. In verse 18, and with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. So the people in Galatia were about to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, like worship them. But then look at verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he'd been dead. And of course, he wasn't there. It was a miracle. But they went from, let's worship you, to let's kill you, and we just did, right, <laughs> right then. And God rose him from the dead, if you keep reading there. But the people were very fickle in, in this area of Galatia. And Paul is writing to them and said, I am an, so go back to Galatians. I am an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him up from the dead. Paul was affirming that he was an apostle because God had made him so. And there were some false teachers that came in and said, Paul's not really an apostle. He made himself an apostle. And Paul's saying, no, first of all, no. They were denying Paul's apostleship and also the gospel itself. And I, I remember a story was told one time of a bunch of people who were getting ordained. A lot of men in a church, a lot of young men. And there was a, a panel of preachers at a table and they were looking down at one by one. They would bring up the young men for ordination and this older, uh, older preachers would look down above their glasses like Chuck Schumer style above their glasses at the people being questioned. And, uh, and there was one young man, 20-something, early 20s, who was shaking all over. And he was answering the questions the best he could, but I've been there. Uh, they were very kind to me when I got ordained, but uh, I had everything in front of me in, in writing. And, but even then, when they ask you a question that's not right there, you know, it's hard to remember. Things you know, but it's hard to remember. And uh, I remember in Bible college, to graduate, you had to do something like that, just with a couple of teachers. And I remember I, uh, I had a strategy. I dressed up kind of in a jacket like this, actually, and I got a four-point hanky and a white shirt with a red tie, like Donald Trump, like a power tie. And I looked as good as I could because I knew what I had to offer was not going to cut it. <laughs> and so I didn't know. They called them oral examinations. They call them orals for short, oral examinations. And I got questioned, that I'm, and I messed up a lot of stuff because you couldn't have your Bible. Uh, you just had a gift and award Bible 
that they gave you when you walked in. So it was like no writing, no study helps. You know how when you study your Bible, you kind of remember where things are on the page. Like when I study for a sermon, it'd be real hard for me to take another person's Bible and preach from it because I just remember where the verse is on the page. You know, Brother Sam, you ever do that? And so they gave me a gift and award Bible and I'm like, oh man, where, I, it's hard for me to remember references sometimes. I can quote it to you. And they say, and where is that found? <laughs> so it's like, man, I speed read. It's in here somewhere. I know it is. Um, but this young man was standing before this ordination council shaking all over. And by the way, I passed. They gave me a C minus. I didn't know that it was graded, the oral examinations, but I did pass. Later, I got ordained when I studied a little more. Uh, but uh, he was shaking all over and they were not impressed with the answers. One of the older gentlemen who'd been pastoring for a long, long time, had a lot of uh, titles, doctor and so forth. He looked down and said, young man, what will you do if we deny you your ordination certificate today? And the young man said, well, I reckon I'll just go on preaching. Why? Because it didn't matter what people told him that he could do. He knew that God had called him to preach. God had called him to the ministry. And so Paul said, look, there was no counsel that said I'm allowed to preach now. God called me to the ministry. I thank God for that he counted me faithful, he said, putting me into the ministry. And praise the Lord. I praise the Lord for that as well. And, uh, and Paul was defending that. He was, he was also uh, defending or attacking, really, a false doctrine that had snuck in. Number two, number two, there was the teaching of legalism. The teaching of legalism. Now, I think probably everybody in here has heard of that word legalism before. It's, it's spelled just how it sounds if you're uh, young, legal, and then I-S-M, legalism. That's the second blank. Legalism simply means this. It means adding something to salvation. Okay, so we know that salvation is not by works. It's only by faith through grace. We have faith in the finished work of Christ and we're, we are saved. If we had anything to that in order to be saved, that's called legalism. Now, I don't think, probably I don't think anybody in this church has really ever maybe struggled exactly like explicitly with legalism. Like I think that maybe I'm not saved today because I messed up. Maybe so, maybe so. But here, false teachers had sprung up that were teaching that that's great, you got saved, but there are some things now that you've got to add to that in order to be completely saved. And we'll find that out as we go through Galatians, a really good uh, book of the Bible to really understand. There are some things you've got to add. Some Jewish teachers had come in and said, great, you've got a good start. Now you've got to keep going by adding some rituals. So maybe that was circumcision or something back here. Today, it would be something like baptism. That's great, you got a good start. Well, now you've got to get baptized. That's great, you got a good start. Well, now you've got to uh, uh, have church membership, or you've got to make sure you take the Lord's Supper, or, or whatever it could be. <clears throat> Other places could maybe not say it so uh, clearly, explicitly like that, but they could say, well, if you've got this in your life, then maybe you're not still saved anymore. But, but we know this, we know this, that that is a dangerous, evil teaching. It is all about Jesus. He was teaching about the legalism. Now, you might say, well, I don't really struggle with that. Well, think about this. I think, I really believe there are Christians all over Western North Carolina, the Bible Belt, Zirconia, that only has one non-Baptist church to my knowledge in the whole town. I think there are actually Christians who are caught up in a version of this. Now, here's what I mean. Sunday, you could hear a message 
And you could think, man, praise the Lord. I'm stirred. The Holy Spirit has convicted me of sin. He's motivating me to do more. Maybe in 2021, I'm going to read my Bible or I'm going to get rid of this habit, this uh, addiction uh, that's culturally acceptable. I'm going to get rid of it. And whatever the Lord's put on your heart is burning inside of you. I'm going to get rid of it. Great. Sunday night, maybe you don't do it. Uh, The thing that that you're convicted of, maybe you add something that you know you should do, maybe prayer or Bible study. Maybe, men, you do the dishes or something. You know, that's, that's something that God might be leading you to do. Whatever. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's convicting you of, you say, I am going to do it. Great. Sunday night, you do all right. Monday morning, you get up a little bit early, you read your Bible. Wow. On the way to work, you're kind. You let people get in front of you. Uh, you it, it, there's really a difference. Your children are like, what happened to daddy <laughs> or mommy? You know, uh, mom doesn't yell at your kids like, what's wrong with mommy? No, you just get bad news. No, I'm fine. I'm just trying to do it. And so you try. You really try. Then Monday night, Tuesday morning, you're a little bit more tired. <laughs> you have another cup of coffee. You're like, oh man. And then everybody at work is annoying. Your kids are just a little bit louder than you remember them being before. And, and it, it's, just, it's just a bad day. At the end of the day, you're just so tired. You're fussing at everybody. You don't feel like reading your Bible. You turn on maybe something that you don't think the Lord really have you to watch, but you used to do it. And you said, I can't do this. Wednesday morning, it's all back to normal. And you've tried, you've really tried. You have, you had the best of intentions. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do right for the Lord, but here's the difference. You did it in your own flesh. You did it, and I hope you're following me. This will change your life. You did it in your own flesh. It wasn't the Holy Spirit that was working in you. It was your flesh with good intentions. Now, your flesh has nothing to offer you. It has nothing. Uh, In your flesh dwelleth no good thing. Your flesh, the, what, and the flesh meaning what we see that's temporary, that's going to pass away, that's going to be corrupted in the ground, uh, it, it, it only wants to uh, be lazy. It only wants uh, more. It covets. It wants more and more money. It's selfish. Uh, uh, it, 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 it's, it's deceitful. Uh, the flesh does not seek after God. It doesn't. Now, you could read some good self-help books on how to be better, and there's a lot of good things in books like that, leadership books and so forth, but you know, who doesn't want to be more successful to make more money? You know, but this all gets back to the flesh. Why are you doing what you're doing? It's for myself. The flesh only serves itself. And therein is a little version of legalism. Here's what it is. It's not that you believe that you can add works to your salvation in order to be completely saved. We know, we talked about it a lot on Sunday. It's 100% Jesus, 100%. Not, not 90-10, 95-5, not 99-1. It is you dangling from a tree branch and just letting go and letting Christ catch you, okay? That's salvation. But a lot of us think, maybe not, we wouldn't say it, but we believe in our hearts that, well, now that I'm saved, it's up to me to grow in grace. It's up to me to live out these good works, and it's not. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, and it goes through in Galatians 4 or 5, I don't remember. And then it contrasts that with the fruit of the Spirit. The only way that you can carry out those decisions you make at the altar, the only way you can carry out those decisions you make in your seat at the end of, of a message, or you watch a good Christian movie, or you listen to a song, you're like, man, I gotta get rid of this thing that's, that's bugging me, is the power of the Holy Spirit. Not you. I mean, same, same deal, 100% Christ, 0% you. And you'll fail every time, you'll get depressed, you'll get discouraged, you'll say, a Christian life's not for me, am I really saved? I think probably everyone has been there at some point. Was this even a real thing? Why? Because you were doing it in your flesh, which will fail you. Every time, the flesh will fail you. The false, evil teaching of legalism. Uh, number three, which is the message, is point number three, Christ delivers us 
from sin's power. Christ delivers us from sin's power. Now all the time when we talk about getting saved, we talk about Christ delivering us from the penalty of sin, which is hell. Okay, which is, which is death in hell, an eternal lake of fire. That's the second death. Death in hell, we're cast in a lake of fire. We know we've earned that because of our sin. But listen, when you get saved, that eternal life begins right now. And you're not only saved from the penalty of sin, you are saved from the power of sin. Well, you say, how can that be? Because I still struggle. And everybody still struggles. Why? Because we still have that flesh. That's why Christ, or Paul said, I die daily. Every morning, I made that decision yesterday. I won that battle yesterday in the arm of the spirit, not the arm of the flesh. I submitted. I walked in the spirit. I won this morning. That old flesh is alive and well. What happened? Every day, you've got to die to that flesh. You, though, do not have to live under the power of sin. There's no Christian in the world that needs to be under an addiction. Now the world will lie to you. Every day you go out there and you've got the flesh. If you walk in the flesh, that flesh everywhere you go has got a strong ally and that is the world. The world. Now what do I mean by the world? I mean the flowers and the daisies. No, I mean like the world system because the world system is against your God. Now, if you don't believe me, just turn on the TV, okay? Look at the things that are popular. Uh, look at the violence, profanity, immorality, uh, just uh, taking God's name in vain on probably most channels, I don't know, most movies uh, that are popular nowadays. Maybe, maybe some kids' movies, but then they slip in some things like uh, homosexuality or something that is anti-God, that is anti-Christ, that mocks God. By the way, you don't think God loves the world? Look at the things that he is being merciful about right now and not wiping out country after country after city. Uh, uh, you just think about that for just a minute. You just let that soak in. And you think, man, God really does love the world. When you understand the holiness of God, wow, he really, really loves people, wants them to be saved and holds out. But anyways, Christ delivers us from sin's power. Look at verse number uh, <clears throat> four. Well, verse number three. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. In the greeting, in the salutation, when he mentions Jesus Christ, it's so defining to who Jesus is to us that he includes it, that he gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this, what's that word? Present. That means right now, evil world not just the penalty that is to come but christ died for our sins that today he might deliver us today from this present evil world boy this is this is getting good isn't it that means that the things that you struggle with christ died to deliver you from Woo, that's good, isn't it? I think a lot of people get saved and now they feel like they've got to climb the ladder or they've got to jump on the hamster wheel of I've got to be a good Christian, I've got to be a good Christian, I've got to be a good Christian. We know that in Ephesians, salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast, right? Can you imagine if salvation was by works, whoever was good enough got saved? Maybe, uh, maybe there was some way to know, like you got a, a lay or a little pin, a pin or something saying, I am saved. And you walked into church and man, 
old sister, sister Margaret got in. Oh, I hate sister Margaret, you know? And then she'd be walking around boasting and I've got the pin and everybody would, oh, Margaret, I wish I had the pin. Or what if, what if you um, grew closer to Christ and your sanctification, which is, which is God making you more like Jesus during your Christian life, that Christian walk, what if that was accomplished by your works? What if every Sunday morning an angel really early before you woke up, came and like a stork delivered your uh, pin for good works there on your front porch and you walked out and you're like, oh yes, I've got it. And if not, you're like, oh, let's not go. I have a headache today. I don't want to go. But you had that pin and you walked in and oh, let's see who got it this week. Oh man. And you know, imagine the church that would be. I would not want to go to that church, right? I wouldn't want to be with the people that got into that church that week. There'd be boasting, there'd be resentment, but here's the great news. It has nothing to do with you and me. The same way you get saved, letting go and falling, is the same way you grow in your Christian life. It's the same way God wants to sanctify you. It's less of you and more of Jesus. We must decrease and Christ must increase in our lives. Because the only way we're going to be able to shake that addiction, to grow in grace, to finally uh, accomplish our resolution for 2021, the only way I'm going to be able to read my Bible, and the only way I'm, I'm going to be able to be the husband, father, mother, brother, whatever I'm going to be, is by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's why Christ, look again, verse 4, thinking about it, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Go to Romans 1. Let's look at a few places. Romans 1. What, what does that mean, the world? Romans 1 verse 29. We're going to flip ninja style to a few uh, passages real quick, real fast. Romans 1 verse 29. So this is, this is the world. Now you may say, yeah, the world is evil, but okay, it's just us here tonight. We know that we've all got that flesh, okay? Uh, being filled with all unrighteousness, Fornication, this is what the world encourages in your flesh. Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. By the way, kids, you see the list that that's in? I'll obey your parents. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, that's like stubborn, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And all of these things are encouraged by the world in our flesh, which Jesus Christ died to deliver us from. When you read in the Bible about somebody getting saved, that eternal life begins right then. That's something, we're not, that's not something we're looking forward to. One day, our eternal life will begin. One day, it'll be a lot better. Our body will be redeemed and will not struggle with the flesh anymore. But that eternal life, that relationship with God through Jesus Christ begins the instant somebody trusts Christ for salvation. I mean, the instant. And the power to break the chains of sin is put in you by the Holy Spirit the instant that you get saved. Romans 5, 24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. Not will have, but does have everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. That word deliver, in Galatians, for he might deliver us, means to rescue or to pluck out. 
plucked out of the power of sin. Not just the penalty of sin one day, but the power of sin now. John 11, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? First Peter 2, 24, for whose own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Now, do you see that? You might underline that in your notes. We should be dead. We are dead to sins. Go to Romans 6. You need to see this. Romans 6. We're almost done. Romans 6, verse number 1. Oh, this is good. I hope you're there. Just, if you want to learn more, read all of Romans when you get home, okay? I've been saying that a lot lately. Romans 6, verse 1. So, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound. So it's, it's gone through that we're forgiven of our sins. That's what we've led up to in Romans so far. God forbid. He's saying like, how can you keep sinning like with the knowledge that you're forgiven of your sins? Like we understand we're not going to hell for our sins because we've been saved. So what's the point in not, not doing sins anymore, right? Somebody might think that. All right, so what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, here we go, that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How it, it should be so foreign to the child of God to live in sin. How, I mean, we, we, this thing that, that drags people down captive, that keeps people up at night, that gives people this anxiety and this depression because of a sin they can't shake, we've got the power of the Holy Spirit within us to drop those chains and never pick them up again. How are we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not, verse three, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Look at verse 6, knowing this, that our old man, the old man, that's the flesh, that's the natural man. The old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Here's what I'm saying. That Paul is saying that Jesus Christ died that he might deliver you, that he might deliver me from this present evil world. That's why the Bible calls us strangers and pilgrims. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. This stuff that we see that, yeah, there's pleasure in that for a season, a little sins here and there, but uh, the, the, I'm not going to be brought under the power of any of that stuff because I am alive under Christ now. You see? And look, you growing in your Christian life, 2021, I'm almost done. 2021, looking forward, I want to do this, this, and this. And I hope you've got some priorities with Christ at the top for 2021. I want to do this for the Lord. I want to change my life in this area. Well, wait, wait. Make sure when you approach that, you are giving that all to God. You are allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you. Look at Romans chapter 8. We are walking in the Spirit. You're walking, what does that mean? That means submitting to the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that there's nothing involved with you. I mean, the Bible tells us to flee youthful lusts and all that, but what does that mean? That means saying no to your flesh and saying yes to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will work in you. Jesus Christ died that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Go back to Galatians, verse number five, or verse number four, according to the will of God and our Father. The will of God is for you to be delivered from the chains of sin, from the power of sin. Somebody might say, well, it's only natural. It's just natural. 
Somebody might have said that about uh, uh, somebody's decision, uh, a moral decision or something. It's just natural. It's just natural. Yeah, the natural man. The natural man receiveth not the things of God though. That's the flesh and the old man is dead. If you're saved, the old man is dead and it is not God's will for you to be in bondage one more second. And where do you find that freedom? Through Jesus Christ. Man, that right there will, would change a lot of Christians' lives, I think. It really would. It's not about your effort any more than it is about your effort getting saved. It's all about Jesus Christ.